It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to our latest podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce Master Plan, author, speaker and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. And I help e-commerce businesses work out where to focus to grow more efficiently. Last week, we had a masterclass in engaging with your customers on social media with Lee Wilcox from On The Tools. Please do have a listen to that one if you want some great ideas for Facebook, Snapchat and more. But before you go away and listen to that one, you need to stick around for today's interview. So I'm going to introduce you to today's special guest. Dean Salakis is the chief party dude at the Party People. The Party People is a bricks and clicks retailer with two Australian stores and a market leading website. The first online store was launched in 1998 uh, and Dean's continued to be focusing on keeping the Party People at the forefront of e-commerce development. And they're now turning over $2 million, that's Australian dollars, per year. Hi, Dean. G'day, how are you? Good, thank you. I've just given our listeners a very quick overview of you and your business and where you've got to. So how did you get started off in e-commerce way back in the in the 90s? Yeah, so um, it was actually my mum's idea. So my mum ran the business at the time um, and she had the idea of setting up a, you know, a website to sell product from. And back in those days, it was obviously a very strange concept because um, online was really just getting started. And, you know, she had this idea that if, if we had a website and we sold party products online, then we'd be able to sell products to people all over Australia that didn't have access to a party store. And back in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't really that many party stores around. So she had that great idea and she decided to spend 10 grand to build a website. And my she was in bus- her business partner was my grandfather, actually. And he was freaking out about spending 10 grand on a <laughs> silly little online thing and um and you know you couldn't understand why we wouldn't just spend more money on yellow pages which is a, a directory we have here in australia um like a, a paper directory you know one of those yes yeah, so like it's like the, t- the phone book isn't it yeah yeah i don't know if you have the same thing there but so that was a bit of a crazy idea and i was in high school at the time so naturally my mum said hey you know here you go kid sort it out um and yeah, while I was in high school, I did all the image work, put the products online and just pretty much ran with it. It was a very basic website, very basic selling. We charged people to ship it to them. We had what they now call click and collect as our main shipping option. Um, you know, I get I get really frustrated when I think, oh, this, this retailer is now doing click and collect. How amazing. And I'm thinking, 98, we were doing what we call pick up in store. And now they got a fancy name for it. And all of a sudden it gets all the media attention. Um, but yeah, so we, we did that and, uh, you know, we were getting one order a, a week and we were, we were loving life. Every time an order came in, we were sort of chomping at the bit, packing that order, getting it out straight away, taking it up to the local post office and get, handing it over the counter. We felt proud of ourselves. Um, so yeah, the business, I guess I'm kind of waffling on a little bit, but the business grew from there and, you know, one a week turned into one a day and five a day, 10 a day, 20 a day to hundred, you know, t- t- today we're doing hundreds a day and. Um, the business just grew and um, I did a little bit of a university project which really spurred things on um, you know, around I think about 2003 and we went and re, re, my, my whole project was about just 
doing a whole lot of changes to the website to get it um, to do a whole lot of new things. Really, it was a very broad based project, and I recommended a whole lot of efficiencies. And you know, um, yeah, I mean, business doubled overnight when we made those changes, and wow. obviously got a, a very good mark for that subject and passed with flying colours. And <laughs> um, the business saw the benefit straight away, which was great. So, so it just took off from there. Was that? UX, as in user experience, sorry, listeners for going all, um, all jargony, uh, CX, customer experience, or was that more kind of SEO and marketing, that project? Was uh, it a mixture marketing. So um, that, that's actually a, a, an interesting story itself. So the project that I did just happened to coincide with Google launching AdWords in Australia. And nice. consequently, I was their first customer. <laughs> um, we, you know, we looked at it, I actually looked at them and Yahoo at the time, Yahoo wanted to charge me a dollar a click and I think it was actually, I think it might have been $2 a click at the time to sign up to their service and I thought that's rubbish, that's expensive. And um, Google was, was an auction-based platform so I was pretty interested in, you know, paying one cent for a person to come to my website and that's that's exactly what was happening back then. I was paying one or two cents a lead and life was good, you know, back then. It was easy, very easy. I mean, don't get me wrong, the volume wasn't huge but – um, the cost per customer was was just about nothing. So, um, nice. yeah, we launched on – so it was a lot of marketing-based stuff, um, a little bit of UX, but, yeah, mostly marketing initiatives. Cool. Well, before we dive into lots of the other new things that you guys have done and that you've been first on, I think we just need to clear up a couple of details about the business for everyone. Now, I'm pretty certain everyone who's listening will have some kind of idea of what a party shop is, but I'm guessing the, yeah. the finesse around that may vary from country to country. So, yes. Dean, could you just let us know what kind of your core merchandise categories are? Yeah, so I guess um, so. Party we, we sell party supplies, so we're, we sell stuff. We're generally not a hire business. Um, our stores do do a little bit of that, but really from the online perspective, we, we sell party products. So, you know, your decorations, your confectionery, novelties, costumes, you know, pretty much anything you'll need for a party that you can buy, we sell it. I guess a bit like a party pieces. I mean, I'm not, I'm not royalty here in Australia, but, <laughs> um, a bit like a party pieces you have over there. Cool. So we're talking costumes, decorations, some of the yeah. confectionery items, but probably not the cake nor the beer. Uh, we can organise it because we're the party people, but generally um, that's not the stuff it's, we're selling online. It's not cool at any rate. No, it's not. Okay, cool. And what's the platform you're on? Are you bespoke or are you on a Shopify or Magento or something? Uh, we moved to Magento about – we were from a bespoke platform. We moved to Magento about I think it was uh, two years ago now, so still reasonably fresh. And was that a fun process? Uh, that's, we, I don't really want to talk about that. that was, it was <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it was very painful and um, we had a, a false start as well. So, um, as is often we had, the way. We, we had a couple of false starts, but we had a, a major fallout with the developer, which I won't go into because that's a, a legal situation. But um, the current developer – did a pretty good job. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the website at the moment. We've got a lot of stuff to do. It's the the enhancement list is very, very long and deep. Um, but, you know, I think we've got a reasonable website up and running there now and I'm, I'm reasonably happy with it. But it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like um, 
back when you were doing a degree and doing doing the uh, your your project around all of that, the big improvements were in marketing because there was so little competition yeah. out there. You could get traffic quite easily, be that financially yes. easily or effort easily. Nowadays, if you want to make those improvements, you've got to improve customer service, and it's everything is incremental. So it's I, I don't. It's never a case of the website's live, right? Let's do something else. It's always. Yeah. Which bit do we need to tweak today? Is it the website? Is it the marketing? Is it the retention? Is it the back end? Is it the... Uh, yeah, so it, does, it doesn't surprise me that there's kind of an endless list. Cause- yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's more difficult these days. I mean, back in, you know, in the earlier days, I'd say the early 2000s, you had changes that you made online um, generally got huge impacts. We would, you know, double-digit growth, triple-digit growth. Um, you know, ch- small changes made big impacts on our sales. I mean, also coming off a smaller base, um, as we grew, yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of the changes now, we're, we're really scraping around the 1% and 2% trying to get those um, little wins now, and it's much more smaller detail and much harder to get. Yeah, unfortunately, the same for all of us. But, <laughs> but yes, let's, let's yes. talk about something else before we, we get a bit maudlin. Um, are there any yep. kind of key widgets or plugins that you, you've got in the website, like a reviews program or merchandising or anything like that? Um, so we use a lot of different things there. I mean, I, I should be getting a, a commission to, to give these guys a plug, but um, I mean, we use FIFO for reviews. I, I think that might even be based out your way somewhere, but um, FIFO we use for reviews. So all our customers who place an order with us get requested to give us a review. And that's been an interesting process in itself. Um, really good, really positive for us. Um, we use Celebros for our search. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of different search options out there that I've seen. Um, for my business, Celebros, the way it's configured works best mm-hmm. um, for my industry. But, you know, I, I, have, I do know there's some other search options out there that are better for most other industries. It just happens that one we picked just works best for us. In, in my uh, opinion, I think the way that search and the search um, software is developing and niching yeah. into different areas is one of the most fascinating kind of sub areas of e-commerce at the moment. So yeah, it, it, it is a case of finding the one that works for you rather than necessarily picking the best of breed because there's best of breed is very hard to define in search, I think. Yeah, I think today with, with choosing all these different sort of little vendors and, and, and plugins to your site, um, we definitely have more choice today than we did, you know, even two years ago when I first started developing the Magento site. You know, back then there might have been two or three players in a space, but only one was of any real value mm. where now you've got, you know, you want to add a shipping module Well, there's 20 different shipping modules you can add now and they're all pretty good and they all do different things. But um, and that, yeah, I think that, now you have a lot more options. And those options, that's both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> like, there's all the options, but there's also all the options. <laughs> no yeah, no quick mean, decisions. It's more difficult. I actually find like a, I've got a network of other retailers I, I, I talk to and Rather than um, doing a whole evaluation and having to learn from scratch, I tend to call up other retailers using different things and ask their opinion. And I find that helps me form my decision. I don't know. I don't rely on it, but definitely helps me ask. It definitely helps me find the pitfalls in different things by calling up other retailers I know and asking their opinion on how something's working for them. That's a great piece of advice. Everyone should be doing that, I think. Um, right. What else do we need? Oh, your team. How big's your team, Dean? Um, uh, good question. It's, it's probably a complicated <laughs> answer, but it so, always I, is. I, so we'll start with me. So there's me and my brother who were business partners. 
Um, we work together, so still a family business. Um, he runs operations. I run everything else just about. <laughs> Probably the easiest way to put the hats that I wear. Um, so finance reports into me, um, which is technically two people. Um, I've got uh, the inventory and, and buying side, which reports into me, and that's another two people. And then, um, and then there's the digital side, which uh, is – I'm just trying to think here – Technically, only about three people. Um, one, if you count a part-time social person that I have, um, and they report into me. So I've got web content and um, someone else who helps me with the marketing side. But um, yeah, that's pretty much the team. And you, you're doing pretty much everything in-house, then? Yes, pretty much. Um, so we don't. I don't outsource my digital marketing. Um, so I don't use an agency or anything like that. I mean, we are very fortunate because we're on the bigger end and also since we've been innovating a lot with new marketing um, channels, if you like, we tend to be early on a, on a new channel. So like, you know, with Google, we're one of the first on there. So I have a dedicated Google account manager that does the work for me. Likewise with Bing and a lot of the other ones, we, did, we tend to get a quite good level of support mm-hmm. Um because you know, often we've been the sort of the foundation client or the first client in a, in a lot of cases. It's always a nice position to be in because you, you give them <laughs> enough nice. case studies and they'll look after you for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I've been a case study for, you know, Google, Bing, Facebook, um, and just about every other vendor we use as well. You know, we, we love being a case study and that definitely helps when it comes to these uh, other things and getting support. Back when I worked kind of client side best part of 10 years ago now I am um, I did I was the first person to do or I, I allowed uh, the email uh, business Adestra one they're in the UK and I think they're a UK business who are now kind of more global I allowed them to use my sending sending activity to test their conversion tracking software cool. and I swear that's still paying back now <laughs> you know <laughs> doing that allowing them to use as a test and all the rest of it so um, yeah cool so yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah. If you get the opportunity to be a case study for someone, it's always a good idea because it really or does. Or a beta, yeah, Love exactly. Beats. You know, it's interesting. I talked to you know, um, I don't know how much of this is confidential, but I was I just watch what I say. But you know, you might talk to someone like Google or Bing or the search engines, and you know, often we get on a lot of betas, and you know, we ask them, you know, why? What's the go here? Like, I'm sure aren't people sort of chomping at the bit to be on a beta and the mm. answer is no they're not they don't want to be on the beta they don't want to, a lot of the big companies don't want to try something new unless they've got a, a solid business case um which is interesting because i'm the opposite i'm like what betas can i get on why didn't i get on that last beta you know i'm 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 down their throat all the time asking for the betas and oh, you know, I, I mean we get amazing results from betas there's no competition you're early oh, I, I really i'm, I'm the same the i'm always watching facebook advertising video tutorials that come out of the u.s and going why haven't i got that why haven't yeah. I? Because yeah. Facebook are a nightmare for only rolling out to the best people in the US and forgetting about the rest of the world. I mean, I want it. Yeah. Give it. Give it me now. Mine's not that colour. <laughs> you know. That's right. <laughs> you got. You got to be in there. So, um, so Dean, what? What for you? I was just going to well, say. Yeah. I think it comes back to the mentality and why the bigger guys are struggling online is because, you know, us smaller guys, we look for the change and we find it exciting and 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 and, and we love it. We, we want the change. The change is what gives us the edge. Every time something changes, we adapt and they don't. And I think that's the the edge we have as a small to medium business is we're agile in that respect, you know. And I think that's 
something that a lot of retailers should take out is anytime Google changes something, don't be disappointed, be excited and you know, how can I how can I get the most out of this before everyone else does? Yeah, you know, find find the opportunity within the change. I think it, it. I had um, the head of brand from Tesco on a couple of weeks ago, which is obviously the fifth largest retailer in the world, and chatting to yeah. her about their turnaround and their challenges, they're exactly the same problems as the rest of us face, yet yeah. The rest of us, because we're so small, or much smaller, and pretty, everyone, pretty much everybody is smaller than Tesco. <laughs> everyone but five. Yeah, <laughs> everyone but a handful of other businesses smaller than Tesco. We can be more agile, just as you said. It's that agility that enables you, if you, if you choose to take the mindset to do it, to just quickly pivot and embrace that new yeah. opportunity. Whereas for bigger businesses, with just people and boards and strategies, it can, it can really slow things down. Definitely. So, Dean, what do you think is the most awesome thing about your business right now? Oh, the most awesome thing. I mean, I, I love the fact that we're a party shop. I mean, it's not really um, – it's not hard to get out of bed every day and, and, and help people, you know, create the parties that they're dreaming of, you know. So I just love that we, we're dealing with parties and, and you know, it's, it's a fun business. I really love what we do. And are you taking that, that fun element – is that, is that kind of one of the reasons why you do so much on the kind of the content marketing and the TV front? Because anyone who goes who goes to the homepage of Dean's website, there's just so many TV shows you've managed to get the business yes. factored on, um, yes, which is yeah. which is quite it's an interesting marketing strategy. So I wondered if if that's you know obviously it resonates quite well with the brand. But if you'd like to talk a little bit about that, about how you did it, and and what benefits, I guess more than anything else, because everyone, everyone yes. I think will be assuming it's very time consuming. Yeah, it, it is. It is time consuming, and actually, um, it's funny that you bring it up because you're the second media that's actually brought that point up about um, the fact that we, you know, we have that on our homepage, and um, we got a quite a good write up in a local a book, an Australian online retail publication here in Australia talking about that very point and you know I guess and I would have liked to have been consulted on that article by the way but um, <laughs> they gave us a really great write-up which was great and they basically said that you know we go to Dean's we go to the party people's homepage and they're smack bang on the front of the page they've got about how they're featured in the media and it's a really good trust mm-hmm. um, it's a really good trust thing for the consumer because they go on there and they go oh He's appeared on Shark Tank, which I think is your equivalent of, you know, Dragon's Den. And they've appeared on this TV show and that TV show and MasterChef and The Voice and this and that. And, um, you know, people just identify that, oh, you know, they're a party shop for, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is I'm building our brand that way. It's it's probably the cheapest marketing I can do when I think of the cost these things cost to do. And, um, yeah, it's really good PR. And yeah, I just, it's, to me, it's all about getting our name out there. And yes, I mean, we look after celebrities and we do lots of freebies for the media because ultimately I can stick them on my homepage (laughs) and say that I've done that. And look what I did for MasterChef. You guys have MasterChef over there? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's huge over here. So um, we have your MasterChef as well as our MasterChef. Oh, really? Oh, great. You might've seen my episode where we did all the balloons for it then. Ah. Uh, I'm going to have to look so that did, one out. Yes. Oh, we, we've done a few seasons for them, but we did one really major episode where all our stuff was all over the, all over the screen, the whole, the whole episode. And, um, you know, that sort of trust, you know, that we, that we build by a customer coming to our homepage, seeing that we do MasterChef. I mean, we're not going to rip them off if we're dealing with people like that. You know what I mean? So I think 
that was our strategy. We just said, look, let's stick it, stick, do as much PR as we can and make, let people know about it. We say on our homepage, we're famous, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and that's the whole point. We're saying we're famous and we, and we, and we continue to push that as far as our PR strategy. I don't use a PR agency. I just look for opportunities when they show up, like a Shark Tank audition and, um, and get in there and, and, and make a real big noise when I do it. Did you get the money on Shark Tank? I'm sure loads of people were saying, Chloe, you should know that already. But Yeah, I got an offer from, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the business Boost Juice, Janine Alice. She's a, she started up the franchise Boost Juice. She has mm-hmm. a number of businesses here in Australia. But um, she made us an offer. We, we knocked it back. And um, interestingly enough, it's probably the best decision I ever made. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I say that lightly because I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I, I went on the show and it was great and really great meeting those guys. And to be honest, I mean, what you see on TV, they, they, they beat it up a little bit and they probably make out like these guys are real, um, not so nice and very, yeah. uh, very aggressive business people. But like I had a great conversation with them. I mean, the, the, the whole thing, they only show you 10 minutes and I'm there negotiating with them for two hours, but um, yeah, I mean, they were great to talk to and I learned a lot from the experience and I got a lot out of that. So yeah, I mean, it was a great, it was great, great to get on there. So, I mean, afterwards the phone calls started coming from investors and, um, consequently we're having some interesting discussions as we speak, um, with some private equity groups. So pretty much supercharged PR basically. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> I mean, try to get an ad on TV for 15 minutes long is impossible, you know. That, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, it's um, it's a powerful marketing strategy. I often watch, the, you know, the UK version Dragons Den and wonder how many of them are on there purely <laughs> for the PR, not actually yeah. for the investment. You know, yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, you watch some of them and you go, "Why are you here? <laughs> Did you <Yeah>. really?" <laughs> but uh, but that's the nature of the telly show, I guess, isn't it? They're they're interested in yeah. good TV rather than necessarily good investment opportunities. Now, that's it, and I put on a good show as well. If you watch the episode, um, Australia Shark Tank season one, episode seven. If anyone gets a chance. I will try and put a link to that in the show notes. I'm sure there's a way we can do that. So we'll, we'll dig that out for everybody. Um, now, Dean, you've done so many different firsts in the business and you've tested so many different things. I was wondering if there were maybe a couple of um, top pieces of advice you'd have for everyone out there listening today. Yeah, look, I've never been asked that actually about advice on firsts because – on one respect, when I speak at some online retail events here in Australia, I always tell people to be agile and be first, um, dip your toe in early and get a feel for something when it's fresh. Um, because, you know, looking at things like, you know, a good example is eBay, for example. I mean, if you're first on eBay, you know, there's, you know, not much competition and you can get a whole lot of reviews and then the people that follow behind you have to compete with the people that have millions of reviews and then you're competing on price if you're, you know, late to the party there. So all, all advertising and even just new things like even eBay, um, being first is a massive advantage. Um, so I tell people to be first. I mean, we are cautious sometimes. Like often we will decide not to be first on something because we'll let everyone else find out the pitfalls of something and then we'll jump in. And, you know, especially with things like software plugins to Magento, we might not exactly be an early adopter in some things in that space because we think, look, there's going to be bugs and yeah. we don't want to be the first one to deal with all of those bugs. But definitely with a lot of the um, 
a lot of the other things out there, yeah, we definitely would jump on first um, and give it a try. I mean, it doesn't hurt to trial something. It's not much effort. Um, and you learn a lot in the process. And like, especially with advertising or, you know, selling channels, if you like, or, or, or methods of selling or, or ways of marketing, um, you know, in those, I, can't, I don't think of any times where we'd like to be second. We're always first in those sort of um, changes to the web because there's just there's huge advantages of being early in that space and you know you're learning while everyone else is just starting and all that sort of stuff so the learning curve starts earlier cool that was some good advice thank you very much and i've got one last question before we move into the top tips round which is what's on your radar at the moment what's on what's on dean's to-do list so on Dean's to-do list i guess um it's probably going to sound like a bit of a boring one at the moment our focus is actually bricks and mortar uh, and I know you're an e-commerce. I know this, but it's really interesting. Bricks and, uh, and clicks is a is a really important part of uh, of e-commerce. So no, no, I'm always interested to know what's happening in the bricks. Yeah, I mean, we um our our, our bricks and mortar stores um, perform very well, and um you know strategically, I think where the industry is going for a while there, you know, we were so I guess obsessed with online or I probably should say when I say we I mean me but <laughs> but you know obsessed with growing online and 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 winning that that battle and you know we, as a company we probably just neglected our bricks and mortar stores a little bit and probably neglected them as part of the strategy and and I look at our you know and a lot of a lot of I'm not the only industry in this space I think a lot of industries are probably sitting back now and going you know what, pure play may not be the long-term strategy here. I think in a lot of industries, we're going to find the winners in the long run are going to be the multi-channels. I mean, we're seeing that emerge now with a lot of pure plays actually opening up bricks and mortar. Um, and for us, I think strategically, it's important for us to win this long-term battle for the market leadership in Australia for party supplies. I see it as us being a leader online and in the bricks and mortar um, environments. And, and winning both, and that's going to be the winner in the long run, not not someone dominating one or the other. I I agree. There's a there's a huge place for bricks and retail bricks and bricks in the whole e-commerce piece, and especially if you know if you're aiming to be the number one in the country, then it's quite hard to do that in certain sectors without having that physical presence. So so I, I guess yeah. the the to do list at the moment is to work out the nitty gritty of the bricks of the bricks strategy. I guess is what yeah, you're that's right, and I think it's also the complement. There are synergies that exist between the bricks and mortar and the the online, and I think that's what um, you know what we've come to realise more recently. We we did a whole without going into boring statistics. <laughs> we did a, we did an attribution piece around what does our online really mean for our stores, and it's quite significant how much the success of our stores is because of our strength online. And I mean, one one thing I could say is, I mean, like I t- you'll see on the Shark Tank episode, our Dremoyne store we opened up, the, the turnover was a million dollars in its first year. And we put that down to our strength online. We say, well, you know, look, no one opens up a store and turns over a million dollars in their first year, um, not without heavy marketing anyway. Yeah. And we had no marketing. We just opened a store and we had a website attached to it. And, I, and we put that down to the fact that we um, we're so strong online that, you know, people go looking for us and they find us and we have a store there and they come in, you know. So um, we're looking at, at taking advantage of those synergies between our online and our offline and using that to help us open more bricks and mortar. 
Awesome. Right. Well, master plan world, it is time to get into the top tips round. Uh, and okay. I, I really love this section because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Dean, first up, your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast took Friday off to read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Um, I'd recommend a book called The One Minute Manager. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I love that one. That's all about the monkeys, isn't yeah. it? Uh, well, I don't know. There's a couple of there's a couple of different um, books in that ah, in that series. So I'm not sure cool. if you've read one. Or maybe I haven't. <laughs> but it's more about just um, the one I read was about um, man. It's more about managing people and, and using different the, the the term they use in there different strokes for different folks. You've probably heard that term before. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it's a book that talks about how to manage different people differently. And you know, I learn a lot from that book because you know I've got people that report to me that are very hands on. Not sometimes because of their, how they, they are personally and they're just the type of employee that needs help a lot or because their role is so complicated that they need some outside help. Um, but different roles and different people need to be managed differently and this book definitely goes a long way to break that down and help you sort of identify, you know, why that is and, you know, why does some employees you have to spend, you know, 10 hours a week with where other employees you can spend two hours a week and, is that good or is that bad? Sometimes it's not so bad because that employee's job just requires you to spend those 10 hours with them. So um, I'm not going into the detail of the book and the models that it all talks about. But, um, yeah, I mean, I found that a really good book. Excellent. The traffic top tip next then. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Marketing top tip. Look, this is a funny one. I, I guess what I'll say with this is, look, it's, it's obvious that, Google AdWords is the biggest traffic generator for us. So I'd say advertising on Google is a boring answer to that one. Um, but I think a really interesting one here in Australia, which I'm not sure if this applies to you guys over there or not, is Bing, which is, you know, every time I speak to someone about Bing, they say, oh, why would I bother with Bing? It's a search engine that's, you know, 10% of the market. And I really find that puzzling. And when we have an argument, I, I always get them to change their view on it. And the reason is, is because I tell them, well, so what Bing's 10%? Well, it's another, what business at the moment, I mean, we we're talking about it earlier, what business at the moment would give for another 10% more sales? And, you know, better still on something like that, there's lower competition because everyone's got the same mindset as, you know, that person says, you know, if someone says to you, mm. why bother? Everyone's got that mindset at the moment. So you're going to be on there with 10% more traffic than you get. They're not, Bing doesn't compete with Google. It's a separate area where people are looking and, you're talking about getting 10% more traffic. It's actually better than that. It's, this is like a but wait, there's more to this story because, you know, you <laughs> might be get, it might be 10% of the traffic, but it, because there's lower competition, you're actually getting, it actually represents 15% of your traffic. And then because there's low competition, you're actually spending less as well. So it represents 5% of your advertising costs. So my big tip there is to, I guess, make sure you're exploring all the channels. And if you've got a formula that works in one, for example, Google, then apply that formula to the others. Excellent. Uh, I think you're the first person to advocate for Bing. So um, it's really nice <laughs> that someone finally has, because uh, I agree. I think you should definitely, if, you, if that AdWords works, people, you've got to try it. Um, I mean, even just to go on that one more, I mean, you can port your AdWords across from AdWords to I Bing. I know, you don't it's have to do so easy. So, so zero easy. work, more traffic. It's yeah. a no-brainer. few clicks, couple of spreadsheets, and you're running. That's it. That's it. All right. The tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day? 
Um, we use a tool called Asana. Have you heard of that? I love Asana. Asana? Yeah, we use Asana to manage just our day-to-day. I mean, I used it with a developer doing our website development. And um, I thought, well, this would maybe be a cool tool to use internally. And it's just been, for a lot of my employees, it's made their stress less because they're they're managing it. I mean, you, t- you can tell people to manage to-do lists till the cows come home. But um, <laughs> you give them a tool like this and say, everyone needs to put it in here because we're all going to share our tasks and you know, pass them on and assign them and all that. And all of a sudden, everyone's forced to use a to-do list. And I mean, I find my employees, we just had a review, our annual reviews with them mm. recently. And they talk, you know, I've got two employees that were highly stressed and no longer stressed anymore, loving their life, you know, loving life and feel really in control of their their role. And I'm loving life too, because I'm their manager. And I feel like I know where they're at. All the time <laughs> I can put yeah. their Asana. So I love it. Great tool. Oh, and I haven't heard anyone saying about how it's it's made that big a difference to people's stress levels, but that's that's yeah. an even better reason to be putting in place in place a decent tool like Sana. I use it in my business, yeah. and I I find oh, it cool. so useful. Yeah, cool. Uh, the startup top tip, then, Dean. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? Uh, my first tip would be to start niche. So, I mean, I get asked this question a lot from startups, and You know, I mean, yeah, focus on something you're really – this is really hard to explain in 30 seconds. But, (laughs) um, you know, focus something that you're really good at and target that and be the best at that. And by that, I mean not just – you know, if you're a a plumber and, you know, you're in a particular area of the UK and you focus on a particular type of plumbing, maybe toilets or whatever, I don't know, then, you know, go hard on that and and be the best at that and focus your your marketing and your – Make sure you've got a good landing page for that and make sure you're advertising on, you know, toilet plumber or something more specific than that, toilet plumber, you know, London or yeah. something like that. Be very specific about what you're targeting and, and target something niche and be really good at it um, and build up from there because, you know, if you're a plumber and you want to try to target and, and win on the word plumber, for example, on online, on, on Google or something like that, then you're really up against the you're, you're up against a lot of people. Um, you're up against every plumber in, in the country and, and that's not a place you want to be competing as a startup. You want to be finding a niche and owning it. Oh, so true. Such good good advice yet again. Uh, Master Plan World, you can find these top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 61. That's the number six, the number one. I've got one last top tips question for you, which is, if your business didn't exist, which e-commerce business would you like to be running? Uh, I don't like that question. I, I think um, <laughs> I love what I do, you know, and um, I really can't think of what else I'd be doing if I wasn't doing a, the party business. You know, I love I love this business. I mean, I do love the online the online world. So I think um, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing something online. But I really don't. I really can't think of anything else I'd love love to be doing other than what I'm doing at the moment. So, so many people. Sorry, give, cop out, isn't it? No, no. Cop so out. many people give that kind of answer. I'm considering dropping that question because, <laughs> you know, it, it's like it's like more. It's the Marmite question. So I think I think we yeah. might have to eradicate Marmite later this year. Um, <laughs> Dean, before we say goodbye, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yep. So, um, the party people. You can find us at www.thepartypeople.com.au. That's a the party people. Don't drop the V because you'll find some interesting site. I think it was a, a porn site, partypeople.com for a little <laughs> while there. So make sure you got thepartypeople.com.au. Um, yeah, I mean, we're on Facebook if you search for the party people. 
Um, you'll see our logo on there. We're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. We're on all of them. So, yep, just look up the party people and look for our logo. Excellent. And I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about in the show notes. Um, cool. Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 61 or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Dean, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce Masterplan podcast today and for being so really, really generous with all your fantastic e-commerce experience. No worries. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Great to chat to you. What a fantastic insight into what's now approaching 20 years of e-commerce experience there from Dean. I was really, really pleased to have him on the podcast and I think he's given some great tips and some great overviews for all of us. So as he said, be agile and be first. As one of our subscribers, if you're enjoying the e-commerce master plan podcast, please do share it with your e-commerce friends. Uh, that doesn't necessarily have to be online because apparently more sharing happens offline than online. So please do feel free to do it around the water cooler, uh, over a coffee, by the kettle, on a pint. I don't mind, uh, but it would be great to get more people listening because the more people who listen, the more people I can help. And also a little something for you. Earlier this year, we published my brand new book, Customer Manipulation. And right now you can get the first chapter completely for free at customermanipulation.com. So just head over there to get started today. Have a great week, everybody, and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.